Welcome to Pull Up The Tape Podcast, the podcast that keeps you connected by providing all the hottest and most current takes in the world of sports. This podcast is a full version of today's episode. Lastly, share this podcast with anyone you know that loves basketball, boxing, football, MMA, and soccer. It's greatly appreciated. Happy listening and enjoy the episode. I'm hella excited, and I'm just going to jump right into it, all right? So today is Monday, June 28th, 2021, and this is episode 65 of Pull Up The Tape, all right? Episode 65, all right? So let's just jump right into it. So the first thing I want to talk about today is the round of 16 matchup that happened within the Euros yesterday. Belgium beat Portugal 1-0, and where I want to start off today is by just, 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 I just want to throw this out there. For Portugal, I honestly saw this coming. Like this, them struggling yesterday in the first half. I mean, I feel like it was a, a, a tale of two halves. The first half, they were close to a fucking atrocious. And the second half, I feel like they should have banged in at least two goals and got the W. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. They struggled to win against Hungary. If I want to go back into the, their performance in the group stage, they struggled to win against Hungary. They got smashed and beaten by Germany like they fucking stole something. And then in France, they couldn't score. They couldn't Against France, they couldn't score in open play at all, whatsoever. That shit was horrific. That was just a terrible performance. All, all. And the thing about that is it's, it's so surprising because Portugal actually, like, I feel like this Portugal team was much better than the one they took to, to the Euros in 2016. Diego Jota, Bruno Fernandes, they have better players. Uh, Joao Felix, Renato Sanchez, they have better players. I don't I just simply don't understand exactly what it what 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 went wrong, but I mean, hey, it is what it is. So again, I, one of the things I want to emphasize is how like the first half, Portugal was just like very, very bad. Like very extremely, extremely bad. Like it, it doesn't really make sense why why they played so terrible. Like I I, I outside of like one chance that they created. Everything else is just, it was just stagnant. They weren't moving the ball. They weren't creating shots. They weren't pressing. They weren't, like, Thibaut Courtois wasn't really called into, into action. Like, he didn't have to make too many incredible saves. And, honestly, it it wasn't really the sexiest half that they that they played at the tournament all along. And then, but props to Portugal because they turned it around. And in the second half, they actually played pretty good. And I genuinely felt like they deserved at least one or two goals. Like in my in my honest opinion, I don't think Belgium should have won yesterday's game. But I mean, that's what decent. That's what good teams do. They win ugly games and they win games where they're not supposed to win because that's just what separates a good team from a bad team. But to get to jump back into Portugal's performance, you know, some that that's just honestly the way sports work and just life. And you know, you can earn something and you could deserve something, but you just don't get it. It just is what it is. You can you can go to that interview. You can be. You can interview your heart out. You can be one of the best candidates, but you probably don't get it because somebody that you interviewed, somebody that interviewed as well, just like you, uncle is the best, the best employee at the company. That person's gonna get hired instead of you. And it's no shade to you. It's no fault to you. Sometimes that is just how life works. That's just how sports works, and it is what it is. So after in the first half, like I said, Portugal played tr- trash. Belgian 
Bel- Belgian. Belgium had one great chance. And well, I wouldn't even say it was a great chance. Torgan Hazard, you know, anytime I, if, if a Hazard scores and he's wearing the Belgian jersey, you would think it was Eden. But honestly, Eden was like nowhere to be found. Torgan takes a great shot. I mean, it was just a wonderful shot. I, when, I, when I watched it go in, I was I actually like stunned that that shit went in. Like it was just a great shot. But I will say the keeper was not on his P's and Q's, was not on toes, was not in the right position, and was not on his lines. And it just was it, – it, it, it changed the whole momentum of the game. It, cha- it changed everything in the game. And I kind of felt like towards I, I, right after that, Belgium, Belgium decided to, you know, park the bus and, you know, play a little bit more conservative, X, Y, and Z, which I don't blame them. It is what it is. You guys are up, so do whatever it takes to, to get the W. And they withstood all the pressure that Portugal gave them in the second half. The, credit to Belgium's backline. Credit to Belgium's backline. They played their hearts out. They played incredible. All four of those individuals that played in the backline played great. Thibaut Courtois played great. And one, one thing, like as I was saying, Portugal, one of Portugal's uh, chances hit the post. Hit the post, inches away from going into extra time. So it is what it is. I'm not. I'm not surprised. One thing I will say is Kevin De Bruyne did not have a great, a, a good game at all. Um, Eden Hazard grew into the game as it went on, but he didn't have a good game as well. Lukaku was whatever, and Torgan Hazard was by far the the Belgian side's best player, and it's not even close. Again, salute to the Belgian backline. But it's crazy because as I'm recording this, I just got a notification that it looks like. Eden Hazard is likely done for the tournament. Uh, I think in like the 70th minute or something like that, he had the ball and he passed it up front. And I, I heard the announcers talk about it. They said, oh, he just grabbed his hamstring or something like that. I don't and – and from what this article is saying right now, it is T. Courtois, this fucking snake. He says that un, unless a miracle happens, it's looking like Eden's not going to be able to cover in time to play against Italy – on Friday, so it, he's likely done for the tournament, and it's a little crazy because I, I don't know. He's suffered so many. Like I think this is probably his like fourth or fifth hamstring injury since he left Chelsea. Like, man, and also it's a little, it's a little, it's a little. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where to put it because Kevin De Bruyne also might be iffy. I'm not too sure if he'll play because his ankle might be iffy after a, a horrible, you know, tackle that he received from Paulinho, which, in my opinion. Deserved a red card. He played on it, and then early in the second half, he was removed out, and I'm not too sure. Like, Belgium is now down two of their best players, and these are not just any players. Like, I, I want, Kevin De Bruyne is probably is, is a top-five player in the world, and Eden Azer, when healthy, is a probably a top-ten player in the world. So that's going to be a massive hit to their starting 11. Massive hit to their starting 11. And I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Italy. If they do, I'll, I honestly would be shocked if they don't. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised because I, as as I said, I don't expect them to beat them to beat Italy without those two individuals in the starting eleven. But hey, it is what it is. So I want to get into the next matchup. The Bucks defeated the Hawks, one thirteen to one hundred two. And might I say, um, great game. It was a very good game. Great back and forth. And another thing, uh, I was just talking about this in the, in in the last segment when I was talking about Belgium. Trey Young's ankle. I don't. I hope. I hope that isn't going to be a lingering thing. But I think it is. I mean, I, I for the most part, people can't just shake off ankle injuries during during uh during a playoff series during during the regular season at to begin with. Let alone the playoff series that is going to hamper him and it's going to be a detriment to the Hawks' offense and the Hawk Hawks as a team. So 
The Hawks season is on the line tomorrow. If they're able to win the game, I mean, I honestly don't even see the Hawks winning the series, but it is what it is. But if they, if Trey Young isn't one hundred percent, they are not winning tomorrow's game. And I don't see Trey Young being one hundred percent, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kind of ready to put the, the nail in the, in the, in the Hawks season. Chris Middleton had thirty eight points, eleven rebounds, and seven assists. This nigga flirt, flirted with a triple double. Was like, hey, what's up? What's up? You looking good? The triple double was the bitch. You like, hey, what's up? She's been game at the bitch. Like, what's the deal? Come through, come through after the club. Come through. All right, so yeah, fifteen to twenty six from the field, six of twelve from three, and. One of the things that one of the things I, I want I want to um, point out emphasis man is Chris Chris Middleton when he decides to show up he is a dog he but the thing is Chris Middleton doesn't show up every single game it's 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 it, I wouldn't say it's hit or miss but there are times when Chris Middleton doesn't show up uh, I seen I seen an interesting stat yesterday it said forty um, percent is 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 the the thresh, threshold or the criteria or whatever when Chris Middleton shoots above. 40% from the field. The Bucks in the playoffs are 9-0. and That's nine games. When Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton shoots under 40%, the Bucks are 1-4. and That's five games versus nine. So you can, you, you can see it's a, it's a bit of – it's five versus nine. It's almost uh, – that's more than half. That, that, that's more than half. So half the time – so he shows up 60% of the time. Uh, what, out of 15 – he shows up sixty percent time, thirty percent time he doesn't. I don't. My math isn't too hot, too sexy. It is what it is. But credit to him because again, I've always said, I said, th- I said this in the last round. If Chris Middleton and Giannis both go for thirty, the bu- I like the Bucks' chances winning any game against anybody. Okay, I like the Bucks' chances winning any games, any game against anybody. And I'm not surprised they were able to win yesterday because I honestly think they're the best team. They're, they are the best team remaining in the playoffs. I think they're better than the Suns. I think they're better than the Clippers. I know for a fact they're better than the Hawks. And the rest of this series is going to show it. Giannis, Atatokounmpo, 33 points, 11 rebounds, 13 of 21 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. Bobby Portis played the best game of his se- probably his season or the playoffs. He had 15 points and 4 rebounds and 7 of 12 from the, from the field. And one of the things I want to say you know, I, I give I give credit to where credit is due. Giannis played incredible. Chris Middleton played incredible. There was a stretch where he had like 18 straight points or some something absurd like that. Giannis is accept, like Chris Middleton is, is stepping into the role of the closer. Like you know, Giannis does his damage in the third in in the first three quarters, and he said it himself. When it, when Chris asks for the ball in the fourth quarter, I'm going to give him the ball. So it, it seems like Giannis. Okay, Giannis understands he's the best player in the on the team. But in the fourth quarter, when you need a a a, a lights out performance and, and, and somebody to shoot the lights out the ball and put the game out of reach, Chris Middleton is that guy when he decides to show up. So credit to the Bucks. They played incredible. They played lights out. The Bucks made key stops. I mean, I wouldn't say the Bucks made key stops. The Bucks did have defensive stops, but it also it helps when your team is taking and when the team you're playing against is taking horrible ass shots. And that's one of the main reasons why the Buck the, the Hawks lost. Their shot selection was horrific. When it mattered the most, their shot selection was horrific. Okay, the Bucks have now the Bucks have lost two two in a row, and it's safe to say. I mean, I, there's no panic in the Bucks because obviously they've been in this situation. They were in this situation last round against the Sixers. But Trey, Nate McMillan, Kevin Horner, this these are not the fucking Sixers. There's no Ben Simmons on their roster. There's no nigga like Tobias Harris who who shows up when he wants to. 
There, there isn't like there isn't their best player isn't playing with a fucking fucked up knee. This is not that team. So if the Bucks don't win, I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I don't want to be one of those pundits that says the fucking obvious. It if the Bucks don't win on if if no if the Hawks don't win on Tuesday, series is over. They're not coming back down. They're not coming back from being down three one, especially not against. Uh, they're not doing. They're they haven't they haven't had to do that shit all season. And they're not going to do that against one of the best teams in the NBA. That's not happening. Well-coached team, defensive, what? not happening. I don't see it happening. So, again, what, one of the biggest things that I feel like the, the reason that the Hawks lost is they got too trigger-happy from three. And they got a lot of bad possessions in, in, in the second. First of all, in the second quarter, they had a lot of bad possessions. In the fourth quarter, they had a lot of bad possessions. Again, the second quarter, they could have built on their lead if they took better shots and had better offensive possessions, but they didn't. And they went into the half, and they went into into the half only up one, lead gone. They, they the Hawks started incredible. They, they they were up fifteen at one point in the first quarter, but I mean, as we've all seen in playoff games, a fifteen point lead, a twenty point lead, a twenty five point lead is fucking nothing. That's that's nothing. That's that that might as well be a three point lead the way the NBA is set up now. So we all know that's nothing. But regardless of that. The game was close, heading heading down in the stretch of the fourth quarter, but once again, the Hawks pass shot selection kept fall, trigger happy from three, live by the three, die by the three. All of them, all of them, ha- all of them have to take blame in that, including Trey Young. Trey Young took some bad shots. As good of a player as he is, and the fact, and he is the best player on the Hawks, he took some bad shots. Trey Young took bad shots yesterday's game, and I'm not going to say he's the reason they lost, but that is part of the reason. So. Let me get into the box score. Trey Young had 35 points, four assists, 12 of 23 from the field, 6 of 14 from three. And I want to be the first to say Trey Young is handling the ball way too much, way too much, way too much. I think Nate McMillan used to utilize Lou William a little bit more. I know he's a defensive liability, but Trey shouldn't have the ball in his hands as much as he does. He sh- they, like, they should be able to, like, again, four assists. Trey had four assists. His average is 10, 11. That's six or, that's six or seven. That's six or seven Opportunities that he didn't create for his teammates. That's points that John Collins left on the board. Kevin Horder left on the board. Clay Capella left on the board. Trey Young should like if if the if the Hawks are gonna win anything, Trey Young needs to average his normal thirty and ten. He has to he, he even though he's not, he has to play like the best player on the court. He has to shoot officially and he has to get his teammates involved. Four assists is not gonna cut it. The thirty five points is smooth, but the four assists not fucking cutting it. And I can honestly say that's that's part of the fact that he did miss some time during the game, but it is what it is because of the ankle injury. But so I can't really harper too much on that. But definitely that played a part in why the, the Hawks weren't able to get the W. Danilo Gallinari, again, Mr. Consistent, 18 points, four rebounds, seven of fourteen from the field, two of three from three. John Collins, 13 points, eight rebounds, six of eight from the field. And man, another thing. Another thing. Nate McMillan. This guy does not have it right now, man. Look, Bogdan Bogdanovich or Boyan, Bo- Bo- I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't know which, who, who's who. Bogdanovich, stop giving him minutes. This dude is obviously not healthy. He obviously cannot play at a high level. Stop giving him minutes, bro. This dude went three of 16 from the field and had eight points. Three of 16 from the field and had eight points. That's a playoff piece shit. Stop. Nate McMillan, he's obviously not healthy. Stop giving him minutes. Nigga, eight points, eight points, and, and I'm not even going to kill him because I understand he is not at 100%. But if I understand that, I'm not going to play somebody in pivotal minutes of a playoff game if they, are, if they cannot give 
a hundred percent. It's just that simple. Like I, that, this doesn't even this doesn't even make sense. He's a shell of himself. He is a shell of himself. He is not the player he was last round or in the first round. Get him off the court. It's not because he's playing. He is not healthy. Next, Chauncey Billups is hired as the head coach for the Portland Trailblazers, okay? He lands his first head coaching job. For those of you guys who don't know where he was at before this, he was in a season, he's actively an assistant for the Clippers, and their season will be ending tonight. Tonight, I can't wait. Oh, my God. I, once the Clippers, I'm finna fry the fuck out of the San Bernardino Clippers. I'm about to fry the fuck out of the Palmdale Clippers. Palmdale, what up? Palmdale, what up? Oh, nigga, stop playing with me. So he's he's been an assistant for the Clippers for the past season. And, I, again, like I said, their season will be ending tonight. Chauncey Billups played 17 NBA seasons. Five times he was an all-star. And in 2004, the Detroit Pistons defeated the Los Angeles Lakers in, I think it was five games. It might have been, I can't remember if it was five or six. And Chauncey was the NBA Finals MVP that year. The, this hire doesn't really come as a surprise. Um, considering the history that Chauncey has with the person who hired him. Chauncey has some history with Neil O'Shea because um, Chauncey's last stop in his career was with the Clippers and Chris Paul's first season. And he played a lot. He played, he played, a, him and Chris Paul were the starting backcourt for the Clippers in the 2011-2012 season. And they played pretty good together, to be honest. And Neil O'Shea was the one who gave Chauncey the call and asked Chauncey to, to, come, to come down and uh, see see if he'd be interested in signing the Clippers and see what, if he'd be interested in uh, turning things around. And that's uh, Chauncey Bills was part of the Lob City era, at the first the first year. And Chauncey wanted to retire, but, you know, obviously everything worked out. Chauncey came. They made the playoffs. I mean, that wouldn't say they worked out. They, it's not like they won a championship. So this doesn't come as a surprise that a couple years down the line, Neil O'Shea hires him to be the head coach for the team he's managing right now. And one of the things I will say is, like, I love I love point guards as head coaches. Point guards are usually the smartest, smart have the the highest basketball IQ on the on the court. So I mean, them them becoming head coach usually translates pretty well. So, I don't know. Let's let's think let's think of some of the head coaches in the NBA right now that were point guards. Tyloo was a point guard. Steve Kerr was a point guard. Mm, Scott Brooks was a point guard. I mean, he's not an NBA coach right now, but Mark Jackson was a point guard. Um, yeah, I mean, some of them, a lot, a lot of point guards make good head coaches. I mean, like you said, point guard has to be a floor general, an extension of the coach on the floor. I mean, it only makes sense to hire those type of individuals when you want to have a coach, whatever. So the contract and how it works is a four-year contract with the fifth year being, no, it's a five-year contract, four years, four years are, are locked in and the fifth year is a team option. And one thing I want to, I want to point out about Chauncey, um, that really surprised me and impressed me. Is Ty Lue has um as co as as personally groomed and coached Chauncey Billups into this role, and he personally took it upon himself to help cultivate Chauncey to the point where he could even be considered for a role like this. During the pandemic in 2020, for four months, several hours of the day, they were they they essentially lived together in Colorado, where Chauncey's from, and um, for several hours out of the day, Ty Lue would essentially teach, teach essentially teach Chauncey. What it's like to be a head coach in the NBA. Like they they would walk through certain situations, scenarios, uh, situational basketball adjustments, scouting reports, all types of different things. And who, who better to learn from from the only person to come down from a three one deficit in the NBA Finals and and beat statistically 
the greatest team assembled on in the history of basketball, in the history of the NBA. History of basketball will obviously be the dream team, but history of NBA is obviously the 2015-2016 Warriors. So, salute to, salute to um, Chauncey. I'm, I'm always ecstatic to see more black coaches getting hired. I'm always and it's crazy now to it just shows you how old I'm getting because I vivid like there's there's gonna be some kids who probably don't even remember seeing Chauncey Billups play, but I, I vividly remember Chauncey Billups when I was a kid playing, playing for the Detroit Pistons. I remember him in the Eastern Conference Finals against uh, two years in a row against the Miami Heat in 03 and 04. And um I believe 05, if I'm not no no. What year does Shaq leave? Okay, in 04, 04. They played the they played the Miami Heat and in 05 they played the Miami Miami Heat as well. So I remember Chauncey playing and it's it's crazy to see him like all these all, all these different guys that I've seen growing up playing are stepping into leadership roles in front offices and coaching and stuff like that. So salute to them. Uh it just it just shows that the the, the guards are changing. I mean, obviously, I mean the guards are changing, but it is what it is. That concludes this episode of Pull Up the Tape. This is episode 65. Tomorrow's episode is 66. Just want to thank everybody for supporting me, rocking with me. Uh, continue to support me. Continue to keep fucking with me, man. I'm, I, I love the growth. I love everybody who's tapping in and commenting and supporting. Viral. Rest in peace, my... Ah, <laughs> Viral. Rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Whoa. I'm out of here. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day.